You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Hatamaria Church, good morning. Hello, is everyone doing this morning at the 9 a.m.? You're looking good. Wow. Ooh. There's some enthusiasm in church today. I love it. Can we just one more time congratulate those who got baptized this morning? It's a huge step. It's a huge step. And uh, we're so, so proud of you guys, and God's got so much more for you. And uh, welcome again also to all our guests, any guests and new people who are here with us this morning. Welcome. Uh, You've made a great, great decision to come along to church today. We are in part nine of our 10-week series, Counting Down God's Ten Commandments. Now, if you are first Sunday in church today and you've missed the other eight that we've done, you can go onto our podcast or on our YouTube channel. You can find that there and you can catch on up. You can use the Elam Christian Center app. All the podcasts are there as well. You can catch up. It's been an awesome series and uh, we've been counting down all the way from number 10 down to number one next week. So you don't want to miss next week. But today, coming in at God's number two on his top 10 list of things to or not to do, do not make idols. Do not make idols. Exodus 20, verse 4 to 6, you can follow along with me on the screen or in the notes on the app, says this, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children to the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Thou shalt not make idols." There is a lot in this command. This is one of the longer portions of the Ten Commandments. There's so much in there. There's so much to unpack. Within there, you see the reasoning God has for this commandment, that He is jealous for your affection. He wants to know you and love you, and He wants to be known and loved by you. It's the heart of God for people. But not only that, you see the the consequence of forsaking God's commands, that there is, there is a generational passing down of the iniquities of our fathers for the sins that they commit. But also on the flip side of that, when we hold to the commands of God, there is blessing for a thousand generations. Amazing. It's amazing. And what's fascinating about this commandment, it is essentially the first commandment that ever gets broken. So when you look at the giving of the Ten Commandments, the ver- one of the very first commandments that is publicly broken is this commandment. Within 40 days of God giving this commandment to the nation of Israel, 40 days, not that long. Within 40 days of God saying, here's the Ten Commandments, and Israel going, we like them, we're about it, we're for it, this is amazing. Within 40 days, they melt down a bunch of gold and earrings and jewelry that they have, and they make for themselves the image of a golden calf. This is like God has brought them out of 400 years of generational slavery in Egypt, miraculous provision, signs and wonders. God has gone before them, and then within 40 days, they make for themselves a golden cow to worship. I realized when I read this just how quickly we who follow the Lord can fall away and begin to build idols in our lives. We can read this scripture and go, oh silly Israel. Aren't they so silly? Like we would do better. 
Like, it, aren't they so ridiculous that within 40 days they do that? But I realize actually we're not much different. And actually the picture of Israel that we see is often a picture of ourselves in our own way. And, you know, this command in its heart is a command against idolatry. And idolatry will define in a few different ways. It's anything that takes the place of God in his central position as Lord of your life. Anything. It's any idea, activity, or value that we place higher than God. That's idolatry. It's the worship of something or someone other than God as though it were God. Thou shalt not make any idols. And I'll be honest with you today. I haven't gone along to many small groups and seen a golden cow sitting in the middle of the living room in the middle of the prayer circle as the small group begins to kick off, apart from Pastor Dean's one, but we're having conversations about about that as we speak. It's a work in progress, some of our team, but the question is, like, what does this command mean for us? Like, what does it mean for you and I today to hold to God's number two that we shall not make any idols? And what I want to do today is I want to ask three questions. I want to pose to you three questions. And these questions are my hope is that they would go a layer deeper with each question to help us understand what idols might look like and maybe whether there might be some idols at work in our own lives, even as we endeavor to follow Jesus and follow God in our own lives. Is that okay? We're going to go for it. The first question I have I want to pose to you guys is this. If we're not to have idols, number one, what's still in your home? What's still in your home? Every home and family has different like traditions and cultures and ways that we do stuff and you only realize that when you're young when you go to someone else's house and you realize oh they do stuff different there's things in this family that are different to my family and they're weird and they can be a bit different and you, and you only realize that as you show up and you go mm, we don't do this in our house I remember the first time I got invited to um, I made friends with a, a kid who was from overseas and they invited our whole family over to their home for dinner one night they cooked us this amazing meal they were from from China and they brought us over this amazing meal and we realized for the very first time that some families have inside shoes Like most of us just have outside shoes, but then you go to some houses and there's inside shoes. You take off your outside shoes and you put on your inside shoes. They're little slippers and they're inside shoes. And we didn't have any inside shoes. And it was quite hilarious to see a family from China trying to find size 13 shoes to fit. <laughs> it was quite, quite funny. Different culture. I remember the first time as a kid encountering another family who had like a religious belief or you know we didn't grow up with religion and didn't grow up in church or anything like that and so I remember the first time going to a friend's house who was a Hindu family and you go into the house and it smells a little different and then there's this little like I go in there and there's this little thing in the corner of the room and it's like this little shriney type thing and I'm looking over it going we don't have that in our house like this that's a bit different and and, and I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out with my friend playing G.I. Joe's I'm like dude what is that like there's some little figurines and there's this this other little stuff and then and he was like oh that's the, the that's idols that my that my parents worship that's my parents gods so I'm like well it's a little it's creeping me out buddy <laughs> you know for many religions and cultures there are idols, objects, images associated with the worship of those gods or those powers. And for many of you today, you got saved by God out of those religions. 
You got saved by God out of paganism, out of the new age, out of witchcraft, out of other world religions, but potentially today there's still some elements of that residing in your home. The question is simply this, if you got saved out of those things, what's still in your home? Are there still images, objects, idols, tokens, shrines? It's amazing to me as a, as a pastor, I get to go into different Christians' homes, and it's amazing to me what still sticks around in people's homes. It's almost like hedging our bets a little bit. In light of this command, is there some stuff in your home that should no longer live there? Acts 19 verse 17, there's this amazing account of a bunch of people who get saved and meet God and get radically converted but there's something they have to do as a part of their journey to get rid of the idols. It says it here. The story of what happened spread quickly all throughout Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who'd been practicing sorcery bought their incantation books and burned them in a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about Jesus spread widely and had a powerful effect. These people took the following of Jesus seriously and they didn't allow the value of a possession from an old life that they were saved out of determine whether that object stayed in their life or not. They burned it even though it was worth several million dollars they did not want to allow an idol to stay in their life. Don't let idols remain where the Lord now resides. So what's still in your home? And maybe your homework today is to go home and do a bit of house cleaning. To look at your home and say, is there something that's still here that should no longer be here? You shall make no idols. The second question is this. If we're not to have idols, number two, what superstitions do you still believe? What superstitions do you still believe? When I was a kid growing up, and uh, um, we lived in, just here in East Auckland, we had, when I was young, like when I was like seven or eight years old, we had a new migrant family move in next door from China. And I'm not picking on the Chinese in our church. I love you guys. Uh, Shishi. Uh, <laughs> They were a lovely family, and they were new migrants to New Zealand, and it was so cool to have people from a different culture living next door to us. But what we soon discovered, because I'm a twin, right? I'm an identical twin. What we soon discovered was that for them, to live next door to a twin was lucky. <laughs> they considered it great luck to live next to a twin. I don't think they asked my parents whether they thought it was lucky to have twins. <laughs> they should have conversed with them first. And is, are they lucky? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so uh, like in order, like this is what would happen. In order to keep the luck going, they had to appease the magical luck twins. <laughs> I'm serious. And so they would often go back to China and come back and they would bring back goodies. <laughs> they would bring back offerings for the luck twins. These little leprechaun twins, <laughs> magical twins who live next door to them. And, and like they were, it was awesome. Like we would get clothes, we would get gadgets, we would get gizmos. The best thing they ever brought back were these epic, like 
things you couldn't get in New Zealand. Like this is in the 80s, late 80s and 90s. We got remote controlled cars. We got like, it was every Christmas. It was unbelievable. As a kid, I was like, hello neighbor, who wants some luck today? Like, come touch my hand. Like, it was awesome. Magical luck twins, I never knew. What superstitions do you still believe? Like you've chosen to follow Jesus, but what, do you, what are these superstitions you still believe? I hope I don't get sick, touch wood. Don't walk under ladders, bad luck. Like don't walk under ladders because health and safety wise, that's a good idea. I'm not saying start go running under ladders and doing silly things like that. Like occupational health and safety, like let's be real here. Don't do that, but don't do it because it's not smart. Don't not do it because you're gonna get bad luck. Breaking mirrors, spilling salt, black cats crossing your path, fingers crossed, lucky rabbit's foot. No one told the, the rabbit, the unlucky rabbit, that his foot was lucky. This is my lucky rabbit's foot. Rabbit wasn't so lucky, like, poor little guy. Lucky names, lucky numbers, unlucky numbers, lucky colors, unlucky colors, no umbrellas open inside, lucky dates. Because I need to tell you, if you are still if you are still believing in these superstitions, what you're doing is you are bowing to a power that is not God. And it's a form of idolatry. You're attributing power to something that is not God. What about things like horoscopes and star signs and crystals and dream catchers and all these things and divination? It's all practices forbidden in Deuteronomy 18. And what you're doing is you are bowing to a power that is not God. And it amazes me how many people, even well-meaning Christians, say, oh, I'm just trusting the universe. I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, just got just to trust the universe. But here's a good idea. Let's not trust the universe. Let's tr cre trust the creator of the universe. And if, you are, if you're looking for a sign in the stars, here it is, Psalm 19. The heavens proclaim the glory of God, and the skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak, and night after night, they make Him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. That's a good star sign right there. What superstitions are you still believing? Because if you're still believing them, it's a form of idolatry, and I want to encourage you, deal with them and get free from that stuff. Don't make any idols. My last question is this. Number three, what possessions, people, or plans have priority over God? What possessions, people, or plans have priority over God? Many years ago now, Bex and I were youth pastors, and uh, we were youth pastors here in Botany. I was involved in youth ministry for eight years, and we, we were full-time full youth pastors for four years, and we ran youth camps, and we did all kinds of cool, crazy things, and I look back now on some of the stuff we did, and it was just absolutely insane. It was just God did incredible things, but praise God that He was in charge and in control, because uh, right, like, if I think about what we did now, we would not get away with it, but God was glorified, and Jesus was lifted up. Young people came to Jesus. Uh, I remember we were, at a, we were running a youth camp down in, in Rotorua and, and we were doing the last session of the camp and I really felt God lay on my heart to do a message for these young people about laying down their image. 
about how, how for many of them, their image and how they looked and how they presented themselves and how they appeared to everyone else was like an idol that stopped them from fully trusting and following Jesus because they had an image to keep up. They had a way they were supposed to be in, and, and it was like something that was holding them back from fully embracing God and fully worshiping God and the freedom that they have in Christ. Like many maybe even here today, like your, your image is like, I'm a staunch man, so I don't lift my hands in worship. I pray that you get free from that because that's an idol that's going to stop you being free in Jesus. But what a shame that an image can become an idol. And so I'm preaching this message about young people, hey, come and give your life to Jesus and, and come and surrender this stuff and get free from it. And uh, I gave an altar call and all these young people came forward going, yeah, I'm going to lay down my image and how I appear before people and the image I present. I want to lay that down so I can really worship God. And what I didn't expect was this young man named Shane. He came forward. And Shane was that like youth kid that like he he was like the little gangster kid who just like just too cool for school. Near, like always sat arms folded in worship. He had this kind of hat that he always wore a bit like wore a bit like me. But he always like wore it down into the side. He was always like this, and and he's always doing this thing. Just a quick disclaimer for those who are new to our church: I do wear a hat often in church. It's not because I want to look like a gangster and have a big image that I want to like put out and look younger than I am. It's actually because I have a balanced disorder and it helps to reduce light stimulation which helps me uh, stay focused and be able to do what God has called me to do and preach so I appreciate your grace online that's why I often get comments online saying why is the preacher wearing a hat there's the reason that God is glorified it is what it is we all have our thing and I get to wear hats amen <laughs> anyway this he comes up and he's like I'm like wow Shane came up like sh this kid you couldn't you couldn't get him to do nothing. He was at the, never stood and worked, like always, always producing this bad boy image, this, this too cool for school kind of kid. He comes forward and he's crying and he's like, Steve, I'm, my image is everything to me and I need to lay it down. And he says, and he takes his hat off and he goes, Steve, we need to get rid of my hat. I'm like, okay. And he's like, no, we need to break it. We need to break my hat because it's like this, just like this hat is like represents all this stuff. I'm like, yes, we're going to break the hat. Do you know how hard it is to break a hat? <laughs> it's really difficult, especially the woolen woven hats. It's like, they're like, it's impossible. So we're, we're running around trying to find something to to cut the hat with or break the hat. We couldn't find anything. Camp, it was late at night, camp had closed up the kitchen so we couldn't get any knives, which is probably a good thing. But we, we rummage around and we find outside a little handsaw that you use for cutting wood. So that's all we could find. So someone comes in, I got something. So there's like two people holding the hat and there's Shane trying to cut his hat in half with a handsaw. It's made for wood. If you've ever tried to cut fabric with a handsaw, 35 minutes later, finally, the hat is sawn in two. I think back now, what a weird moment that was. But what I do know is Shane got free that night. And Shane laid down an idol in his life and actually went on to follow Jesus. So if we're not careful, it's very easy for things in our lives to start becoming of higher value to us than God. Career can become an idol of higher value than God. His word, his ways, what he calls you to. Money can become an idol very quickly and very powerful idol. Sex, sexuality, status, power, image, political ideologies, social media following can become an idol, young people. The need for approval can be an idol. 
Family can become an idol. Hobbies, toys, possessions, business, fame, success, all of these things, there's nothing wrong with them. I'm not saying these are bad things. These are absolutely fine things. All these things are okay, but they can all become idols in our lives when we value them above God. When the decision-making power of our lives lies with those things rather than with the call of God. Here's something I like to do from time to time to establish whether something's an idol in my life. And I encourage you to ask this question. It's a simple question you can ask. Here's the question. If God asked me to, could I give it away? If God asked me to, could I give it away? If the answer is no, it's probably an idol. If God asked you to give your career away and follow him, could you do it? If God asked you to delete your social media, could you do it? If God asked you to lay something down and give it away, could you do it? If the answer is no, then possibly it's an idol. And then you've got a whole nother journey to go on. See, I believe there's actually two ways that we can destroy idols in our lives. One is to give them away, get rid of them, deal with them, have them no more. And the other way is to honor God first in that area. You can't give everything away. Some things you're going to have in your life. But you can have them and then not be an idol. And the way to do that is to honor God first in that area. So has family become an idol to you? Do you hold family above God? You can't give them away. as much as you want to. I was going home, Pastor Steve said. <laughs> Hello, teenage son. I'm sorry we're gonna have to let you go. <laughs> Pastor said. Off you go. You can't give them away, but you can honor God first in your family. You can say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. What about money has money or financial status or career become an idol in your life well you can both give that away but you can also honor god first in that area listen that that's why and i want to speak to this quickly for a moment ben you guys can join me that's why the principle of the tithe is so important and it's so powerful because in a very real way the tithe is an idol destroyer because when you tithe, you both give away that which can become an idol and you honor God first in that moment. The tithe is to bring your, fir your, your first and your best, the first 10% of what you have, and give it, away, give it back to God and honor Him first with that. So money has this powerful, powerful way of trying to take a position of authority in our lives so that your decisions, your motives, your actions, your direction in life, everything is made for the, the, the idol of money rather than the call of God and the direction of God in your life. And the principle of tithing means you just give away that which wants the throne. You give away one tenth, the first tenth of what you have, and you honor God with it. Why? Because we honor God first above all, especially with our money that's why when Jesus said he said like it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to inherit the kingdom of God wow so he's saying it's really really hard it's not impossible but it's really really hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven why because of money idolatry and because of commandment number two 
you shall not have any idols. So the tithe, and I want to challenge every person who is a follower of Jesus, not just as part of our church, but as a follower of Jesus, if you are not currently saying, God, I'm going to give you my first and my best, and I'm going to honor you with my money, ask the question, if God asked you to give some money away, could you do it? If you can't, if you struggle with that idea, perhaps it's become an idol. One of the greatest ways to destroy an idol is to give it away and to honor God first with what you have. Honor God first in your sexuality. Honor God first in your social media presence. If you can't do that, give it away. Get rid of it. You can live, hey, the world lived a long time before social media. It's amazing what happened before social media. You know what happened? People talked face to face. Amazing. Honor God first in your career. If you can't, give it away. But if you can, honor him first with your career. Honor God first in your sport. I know many sports people who God asked them to give away their sport because it was an idol to them. But then God honored them for it and he blessed them. Honor God first in your relationships. Friends, what possessions, people, or plans have priority over God, don't make any idols. I want to pray for us today, church. Is that okay? Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, I thank you for your word and for the clear instruction of your word to us. And Father, I pray right now that we would be a people in a church that hold to commandment number two, that we would not make idols, that if there's anything from our past, from our yesterday, from our old ways that is still dwelling in our lives or in our homes, that we would make a decision now to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, I pray for us that we would analyze the condition of our heart and our minds, and by the help of your Holy Spirit, you would lead us to a place where we have no idols, where we worship you and you alone. Well, your word says, God, you are jealous for our affection, Lord. You desire that we would know you and be loved by you and know you and love you ourselves. So, Lord, I pray, help us to keep to your commands and that we would receive that blessing that goes to a thousand generations of the love of God. Help us to lay down idols in our lives that we would have you first and you only. I ask this in Jesus' name. Just while every eye is still closed and every head bowed, I want to pray a prayer today. And if you're here today in this room and you don't know Jesus, maybe you've never made a decision to follow him, but you're here today. Maybe you came with friends or family or someone invited you to come or you just rocked up by yourself. So glad you're here. If you're watching online and this is your first time, maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and you'll be honest and say, Steve, there are idols in my life. There are things before God and I need to repent of them and I need to get my life right with God today. I need to put him first in my life. The truth is, friends, God loves you. God made you. God has a great plan for your life. We all mess up. We all sin. We all fall short of God's standard. And our sin, it separates us from God. And the payment due for our sin is death. That God in his grace sent his own son, Jesus, to a cross. When he died on that cross, he paid the debt that you and I were due for our sin. Then he conquered death in the grave and he rose again to new life. And he extends to every single person who's here today in the room online. He offers to you grace, forgiveness for all your wrong, your debt of sin paid, removed from you as far as the east is from the west. He gives you his grace and gives you new life, brand new life. 
begins right here, right now. It's called being born again by the Spirit of God. God will make you a new person from the inside out. You get to walk into the plans that God has for you. He has a great plan for your life. And then, friends, there's this great promise of eternity in heaven with Him. This life is not the end of the story. God has eternity for you. And if you're here today and you're not right with God, but you want to be, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. I'll pray it out loud. You don't have to pray it out loud. You pray it with me in your heart. But when you pray it, I want you to mean it with everything you've got. Just say these words in your heart. Say, God, today I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned. I know I've messed up. But I believe, Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I turn from my old ways and I turn to you. I ask you to come in and be the Lord of my life. Take control. I choose from this day to live for you. Would you come in and make me brand new today? In Jesus' name. Just with your eyes still closed and every head bowed. If you prayed that prayer, either in the room or online, we're so proud of you. Honestly, this is the most monumental moment of your life, and this is my favorite part of the service, where I get to invite you to take one more little step of faith. What I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, if you pray that prayer, either for the very first time or you're getting right with God, I want you to be really brave right where you are, and I want you to put your hand up nice and high when I get to three. I'm not doing that to embarrass you or stand you up. All I'll do is I'll see you, I'll acknowledge you, and put your hand back down. Online coming up, there's a button that says, I raise my hand or count me in. Click that. We want to know that you've made this decision. We're so proud of you. Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Hands up nice and high right now saying, Steve, that's me. Count me in. Awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Right down the back. I got you guys. Thank you, brother. Thank you, thank you. Yes, another one right down the back. Anyone else saying, Steve, that's me. Count me in. Online, we see you. Two of you guys online. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome decision. Three online. Thank you. God bless you. Four online. Amen. I feel like I'm running an auction house. God bless you. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. Well, God, we thank you so much for what you're doing right now in this moment. I thank you for lives turned to you. I thank you for hearts turned to you. And they have come but by the Spirit of God. So Lord, I pray bless them. I pray that they would know the fullness and richness of life that comes from you. May this be the beginning of a lifelong journey discovering the wonder of God for them. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, church. Let's put our hands together, those people here and online who made that decision. So good. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.